So welcome everybody to this episode of the Independent Teacher Podcast and today I am talking with Dan Cottle. So Dan, welcome to today's show. Hi, hi, I'm really, really pleased to be here. Nice to, nice to see you, Susan. It's a great job that I've got because a couple of days ago I was talking to a PE teacher, music teacher, barrister, and now I've got you here, Dan. We're going to talk about all things physics. Brilliant. That's my favourite topic. <laughs> Great. So what we'll start with then, could very briefly you tell us about your career to date? Yeah, sure. Um, be happy to. So I'm a, I'm a career career teacher, really. And um, I went into teaching because I, I really believe in education and the power of education to change change people's lives. So I, I came from um, a place called Rotherham in South Yorkshire, grew up, you know, basically on a you know normal normal background sort of council estate um but i went to the university of birmingham i was lucky enough to to move to birmingham and study physics at the university of birmingham and i can honestly say you know it changed my life in lots of different ways it opened my eyes to a, a whole different um you know new people new experiences had a, had a brilliant time and i just wanted to go back into education and to teach physics to other people and inspire other young people really to you know make something of their own lives and have have their own experiences and um and hopefully choose physics like i did you know so you know, i would never have thought that you had a yorkshire accent there well that's i i lost it in <laughs> I, I i inherited the sort of generic middle class um <laughs> accent which i i get mocked for whenever i see family back from back from yorkshire actually so yeah i'm impressed i'm very oh, very impressed <laughs> i've gone posh they say you are definitely not like me so why did you decide to stop working in a school and go off to train teachers? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. And um, I really enjoyed being a teacher. That's the first thing to say. Um, really, really enjoyed being a teacher. Obviously, there's challenges and difficulties. But I've, it's a, as I always tell my student teachers now, you know, it's an incredibly satisfying job. You know, you can go home feeling like you've done something good. But when I was a teacher, I kind of had various positions, uh, classroom teacher, and then eventually I ended up as head of science at a large school in, in Birmingham. And that's a, a really, a really busy and job I, I, I really enjoyed as well, sort of bit of management and leadership. Um, but there comes a point when you've done that kind of middle leadership role in a school for quite some time, when head teachers start asking you, mm, what, what are you going to do next? And there's almost this implication that you might want to go up the chain a little bit you know to assistant head teacher or, or something of that kind um so I was kind of reviewing my options at that point and thinking was that something I wanted to do but at the same time I've always um since being a teacher been involved in um, various different projects so um doing training for other teachers um as you know physics is a sort of a minority pursuits quite often in, in schools um, and so I've done a lot of work with non-specialist teachers for example um, done a lot of work with trainee teachers and I, I, I just was always thinking about my future I, I didn't want to move out of the physics I wanted to stay with the subjects if you like and stay um, doing that and not kind of move into just what I mean I might have got it wrong but kind of into a leadership role that would have taken me out of of that sort of sphere of of influence if you like so so that's when I decided and fortunately um an opportunity came up at, at Birmingham which is kind of my dream my dream job really because I you know I kind of love the place so yeah I now am a lecturer in physics education at the University of Birmingham but also I currently am director of the secondary initial teacher education program uh, as well so 
yeah, I get to have my cake and, and eat it a little bit. Do you yeah. miss anything about being in the classroom? I do. I miss it all the time. Um, I didn't think I would when I left, but I, I do miss it. I, I miss the conversations with children. I miss the, the the penny drop moments that you get, you know, when you're explaining something to, to somebody. Um, I miss the fun, you know, the sorts of inter the daily interactions, the fun of it. And I miss the routine of, you know, the bell goes and something happens throughout the day, you know, and yeah, so I miss a lot of it, actually. Um, and so I'm definitely not somebody who kind of left the classroom because, you know, I didn't like it. I, I did. I did. Actually, I, I do like it. But I feel like I can now sort of pass on some of that enthusiasm uh, to others and hopefully uh, train them, you know, in, in, in a way that helps them to feel positive about it. I'm going to ask you a more tricky question now, which is, is there anything where you think, oh, thank God, I don't have to do that anymore? Yeah, there are loads. Of things. Yeah, I, I, there are so many aspects of school life. I don't miss writing reports, for example. <laughs> um, I don't miss a lot of the management stuff that I had to do. Um, I certainly don't. And um, to be completely honest, I don't miss dealing with the naughty kids, you know, which you end up doing quite a lot of when you're a sort of yeah. head of department in a school. You know, there's lots of things I don't miss, but... Um, we won't go any further. No, that's probably best. Because your job is to recruit. Yes, it is. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to put them off. So coming on to recruitment then, how difficult is it to recruit physics teachers at the moment? Well, well, it's really difficult, actually. Um, you probably know, but last year in England, we only recruited, I think it's about 22% of the teachers that are actually required to keep uh, numbers kind of buoyant and well keep numbers static actually in in English schools I find I do a lot of work on recruitment I, I work in the school of physics at the university trying to help um, undergraduates to understand what teaching is uh, I also go to places like the school of engineering and material science and so on and I find it a quite a hard sell I have to say um, there's a lot of perceptions about teaching out there um, not all of them are positive and it, it can be it can be really difficult. And I find that physics graduates in particular, they have a lot of options open to them when they when they leave. They're highly in demand from uh, various different academic routes and other employment routes. And so, yes, it can be quite a hard sell, I have to say. Has it been really difficult as well during the pandemic to recruit? So during the pandemic, I think there was at one point a bit of a boost. Um, so I think. In hard times, teaching seems to be seen as a bit of a safe haven for, you know, what it is. It's a, it's a job that will always need to be done. And um, there was there was quite a bit of interest, but I feel like it was short lived. And now we're back to normal again, you know. So um, I, 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 I don't know. I feel also like some professions and careers seem to have, you know, rightly so done very well out of the pandemic in the sense of oh, it's, it's really brought to light the hard work of uh, people in the NHS, for example, nurses and doctors in particular and other, other jobs. And I think it's really shown as pupils in school and also students at university, the kind of value of having those roles, what benefit they can be to society. And I feel like teachers have somehow missed out on that. So I feel like teachers have been working so hard through the pandemic, making everything happen in schools, adapting lessons to online and going through all the changes. And they've, they've, they've worked heroically, actually. Um, and I don't quite feel like the same sort of halo of uh, appreciation is quite, is quite transferred to teachers, which I feel a bit sad about, actually. But I, I see that in the, 
in the sort of people I try and recruit to teaching um, as well. So that's a bit sad. And for your current group of teachers, how difficult is, has it been for them trying to learn to teach during what, you know, there were in effect two lockdowns, weren't, weren't there? How, how did that affect them? We worked really hard to try and make sure they had the best possible training experience, but it wasn't ideal, that's for sure. Um, in the last couple of years, we've, we've really struggled, I think, to uh, provide, well, I think provide sort of a normal training experience. Um, so our trainees have done lots of online teaching at times during the lockdowns. Um, they've, they've become expert at things that I never thought they would have to do. So things like hybrid teaching, you know, where you've got people in the room and people, which I find I've done it and I think it's so difficult. And I've been so impressed, actually, by the resilience of the trainee teachers who've, who've you know, stepped up. You know, they've realised it's hard. They've had to step up. Um, they've all sorts of been compromises had to be made, you know, um, you know, their mentors in school have often been self-isolating or been off, you know, they've been asked to do things um, that they wouldn't normally be because the school's so short of staff and things need to be done. And, you know, they've stepped up for the trainees. So in one sense, they've had this kind of uh, this experience that's been kind of unique and good in that they've had to work together and get involved. And uh, but on another hand, you know, their training experience has been lacking in what I think is, you know, that supported development that you need as a trainee teacher, where, you know, you try things out and you get feedback and you try other things out and you get feedback and, you know, you, you kind of find out what kind of teacher you're going to be. And you, um, you know, you go to one school and you might make a few mistakes and then you go to another school, get a fresh start and you get to, you know, try things out. They, they haven't quite had that during the pandemic. You know, it's been much more fragmented. They've had lots of different things, but I just feel like when they start their their new careers in their in their jobs, I feel like I think that might have been that might have been quite difficult for them. And um, uh, yeah, so I'm not. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm really impressed with their resilience and, and their positive attitude and all those sorts of things. But I, I'm just aware that we it's been so hard for them, really. Yeah, like you say, thing. that's one of the problems in trying to recruit, isn't it? So hard for anybody involved in teaching over those last those last two years. So moving on now, can you tell me about this research that you've completed about using recently retired physics teachers to mentor new physics teachers who come into the profession? Yeah, so um, something I'm really quite excited about. So the problem that we often face in school is that if you've got um if you're a, a mentor of a, of a newly qualified teacher or an early career teacher as we kind of call them now um that's quite a significant job um there's a program to follow and it's really important that the relationship with the with the new teacher is there so that that teacher can learn from you you can have these kind of professional conversations and you know that can work what i found from doing some research with newly qualified physics teachers is they often find themselves in schools where they're the only physics teacher and that crucial mentoring person is is definitely a friendly and approachable and you know good teacher and but they're not a physics teacher they might be a biology teacher or a chemistry teacher or even from a different subject area and part of me is like okay well that's fine but part of me when i've talked to these teachers I, I just you, you get this information about, well, they feel like they're on their own quite often. They feel like there's nobody who quite understands um, yeah. 
And that's really challenging because lots of schools just don't have physics teachers. That's just the reality we're in. So I was looking at where we can get capacity from to provide mentoring and support for new physics teachers. And it struck me that a lot of experience walks out the door at retirement and um, we don't. That's it. You know, we, we kind of lose it. So um, I kind of got the idea because when I was a when I was a, a newly qualified teacher many years ago now, um, I was kind of mentored informally in those days, really, by a couple of teachers who were on the point of retiring. So I was lucky enough that there were two physics teachers and they were both sort of in their early 60s. And I learned so much from them um, and they were happy you know and keen just to share with me the benefit of all sorts of things and they were there when I needed them so I could you know at the end of a busy day I would just go and say oh I've got you know year nine doing you know electromagnetic waves tomorrow I just don't know what I'm doing you know can you and they'd be like oh yeah you know you can do this you can do that in fact there's something over in the prep room I'll just go and get it for you and da, da, da. you know it was really really helpful so I thought well can, can we sort of arrange that so I I kind of got in, put out a call to some uh, local schools and I went to the University of the Third Age, U3A and various different sources and asked, you know, are there any, are there any ex-physics teachers out there who would be willing to, you know, be paired up with a new physics teacher? Um, nothing formal, but just to do some informal support and mentoring. And I, I got loads of volunteers. I literally got loads of volunteers. I had to sort of whittle them down a little bit. Um, which was hard because everybody was very keen. And then I, I put it to the new physics teachers as well, uh, a group who were graduating, would you like this? And I, I got a number of them to, to kind of do it. And so we paired them up and, um, you know, they met and we sort of engineered a bit of getting to know you and people agreed how they were going to get in contact and, and stuff. And there was a bit of a generation divide, you know, the WhatsApp versus the phone call and the, you know, all this sort of thing. So we kind of worked through some of those, some of those issues. Um, but then, yeah, they, the physics teachers got their jobs and and these um, sort of retired folk for no money and no reward or kudos um, gave up their time to speak to these new teachers on the phone, um, send them emails, send them resources and things. And, you know, it was, you know, a mixed of bad because you can't control relationships, obviously, but out of it came this idea that um, it is a really positive thing to do. There are some real advantages in doing something like that. And it's definitely something that I think has got a bit of potential to um, to kind of go forward um, in the future. Yeah. Have you shared it with other training organisations as well? And are they keen to take it up? Yeah, so I, I've shared it with, um, I'm obviously uh, involved with people like the Institute of Physics, um, who are my main sort of professional organisation. But yeah, so there has been some um, moves to, to kind of do in other places and so on. But part of it is um, the timing hasn't quite been right because COVID then happened, basically, and then everything went out the window and nothing was possible. But um, yeah, so I'm hoping to get it back started up. But some of the key benefits, actually, that make it worth pursuing are you know, from this, from the new teachers, they were saying things like, I have a mentor in school, they're really helpful and supportive, but I always feel like um, I'm being judged. So if I ask for help with something, I feel like they're blaming me, or they're going to give me a bad report on my next observation, or something like that. Or if I want to ask a question about a school policy, you know, behaviour policy, or an assessment policy, or something, um, it seems like I'm not being loyal. It seems like I'm questioning it. And I don't want to give that impression to, to my mentor in school. And so they were saying, you know, having somebody outside 
who's independent, who's got a bit of experience and been around the block a few times, you know, and giving that external point of view was just a lifesaver, really, for some of these new these new teachers. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've kind of written up, um, you know, the results of that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it. it it's definitely, you know, I presented it a few different things and sort of spread spread the idea. It's not like a, a new idea. Actually, um, it's been done before, um, but not very, not very much. So it was actually done in the United States, in New York in the in the 1980s um, on a quite a large scale and had positive results. But then the ideas kind of dipped away. And then, you know, so I think it kind of recurs this sort of idea. But um, it's definitely worth pursuing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a wonderful idea as somebody who no longer teaches and I have friends who've retired in other subjects that just being there as an outside support as you say nobody making judgments so it'd be a wonderful model really to take out into other subject areas I, I would say um, and also you know some of the teachers when they do retire they're at quite a loss you know mm. it's not like you know you go part-time it's like you've walked out the door and some people still want to go back and feel that they've got worth and sense of purpose as well that is exactly what i found and I, I i want to do a study of the actual mentors rather you know i want to actually look at the impacts on that i haven't had time or got around to it yet but that is what i would really like to do next because yeah. i think you're, you're so right there are so many people who would just love to give their time actually and have got so much to to give but don't know how to how to do it you know um but i think you're absolutely right that that is a, such a good good point yeah now, can you tell us about some of the other initiatives that you've been involved in? One of the things that I have uh, encountered quite a lot um, with primary school teachers, um, often who don't have degrees in any subject related to science, is that they just feel a bit intimidated and scared by science. And they find it hard, therefore, to be a bit, to be quite enthusiastic about it. And they sort of might quite keen to avoid it if they can you know this sort of thing so part of what I've been involved in is initiatives with people like the Institute of Physics and the Ogden Trust who are a charity that um, works in, in in the kind of physics education area is kind of running workshops with with teachers um, largely just to help them be confident about what they're doing so giving them some good ideas allowing them to practice those things so often it comes down to you know, practical, fun activities they can do with with their classes, you know, whatever age, you know, age appropriate activities, letting them have a go themselves, letting them make some mistakes in a safe context, um, letting them ask questions, you know, away from away from children, away from their their peers, maybe in the school uh, where they work. So they become really confident and then giving them the resources to take back to their school to to actually do the things and then just hearing from them how, how it went, basically, and how, how brilliant it was, you know, when when they actually did it. So the Ogden Trust um, in particular works with primary school teachers and we've done um, not, not not mainly myself. I've done a bit of it, but I've worked with colleagues in the Ogden Trust who do a lot of this um, stuff where we would prepare boxes of resources um for primary school teachers and then run these workshops where they get to know how to use all these bits and then and then they take it they take it back to their school and the impact of that um you know has, has just been has just been brilliant really um yeah really 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 brilliant and confidence of the teachers has just improved um and that affects um not just those particular lessons that we kind of give them resources for but it gives the teachers confidence then to go out on their own then and to actually start thinking oh you know I 
I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, you know, different areas of science that they hadn't considered before. So, so that's, that's been brilliant. Um, in secondary, I've worked largely with um, teachers from other, other specialties like chemistry and biology. And again, developing that particular kind of content knowledge that's, that's required. So, you know, in teaching, we might call it, if we're being fancy, pedagogical content knowledge, right? So what is the particular knowledge that you need, not just to know about something, but to actually communicate it? And in physics, um, what I find is that pupils bring so much to the table in a lesson. Um, so if you're talking about, an example would be, um, you're talking about forces, they might bring to the table their knowledge of the world about forces, which might be wrong. So they might think that heavier objects fall faster than light objects, for example. And that makes sense in their head. It makes sense in their world. And when the teacher tries to kind of challenge that a little bit with, um, you know, the standard scientific understanding, it often leads to lots of questions from the pupils. It often leads to this kind of cognitive um, sort of, uh, I don't know how to describe it really, but, you know, they, they just find it hard to accept the new idea. And they sort of ask all these questions. And then if you're not a specialist teacher at that point, it becomes quite difficult because the pupil might ask, well, what happens if, you know, and they just think of a scenario. And then the teacher's like, oh, I don't really know because I, you know, I just don't know. And then, and then the teacher's right. They just fall back then on, no, it's just, you know, it, all things fall the same, you know, you're wrong kind of thing. And it doesn't quite kind of work. So with the secondary sort of, um, work with teachers what we're trying to do is give the teachers enough knowledge sometimes to be able to deal with those questions to be able to challenge those misconceptions that pupils have confidently and anticipate some of those questions and actually have other ideas of how to explain things in different ways um, you know so that they can confidently address those areas but those areas really because mo most science teachers are you know they're very intelligent people they've all got degrees in lots of things that i find really difficult you know like um i hate biology you know i find it really really hard um but somehow they just haven't got that confidence in physics so you know spending time with them and developing their their explanations their demonstrations that sort of thing is is just really really helpful i mean I, there are lots of organizations that do it ogden the institute of physics um the stem stem learning network um, runs runs courses that, again that i've that i've delivered and we do some stuff at the university as well on different topics from time to time um but yeah so that's kind of that's kind of what i do in terms of projects that are going on at the moment um i think a, a lot of stuff went online during the during the pandemic there's there's an early career mentoring program that the ogden trust runs um for new teachers and recently qualified teachers and it runs annually and it provides um to, uh, I think they're, they're half-termly, yeah, half-termly online sessions on different physics topics. And you can sign up for those, I think. If you go to the Ogden Trust website, I think for this year, I think it's full. But if you wanted to, people wanted to sign up for next year, it would be possible. It would be possible to do that. And the Institute of Physics also runs some kind of week, um, month. I think, I don't know if they've gone monthly or they were online. They're just transitioning back to in-person. So I'm not 100% sure exactly, but it was um, a programme month by month of different kind of topic-based um, sessions um, that people can access for free. So... Now, as we, we come to the end of our conversation, I just want to turn the conversation round to you as we come to the end. What sparked this obvious passion that you've shared with us during today's conversation? 
for physics? When did it all start? How old were you? How did it start? When did it start? Why did it start? I don't know. I, it's a very difficult question. I guess I just like knowing things. I've always liked knowing things and, um, you know, just being able to explain how things work or trying to understand. I just like it. You know, I, I don't know what it is. I just literally like it. And um, maybe I just like being a clever clogs and knowing the answer to the question. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm just you know shallow. I think I think that is part of it. Probably. But um, yeah, I, I just I just like looking at the world and knowing that I can understand it. And it's not that I know everything, but I think that's what physics is for me. It's not about memorizing a lot of facts. It's about having this, I think, confidence again that you know, the world is an explainable place, the universe is explainable, and I might not know the details of everything, but I've got this kind of framework, I'm not afraid of any kind of phenomena, I think, you know, if I sit down and I think about it, and I work it out, and I research it, it's, it's understandable, and it's explainable, um, and I kind of, I don't know, I just, I like that idea, you know, maybe it's a philosophically sort of naive idea, I think it probably is, actually, but, um, but it appeals to me, and uh, I I like it. Um, I remember as a child actually walking the dog back in Rotherham uh, on the park, you know, and just 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 looking up at the looking up at the stars, looking around, you know, just being amazed by by the world as a kid. And um, I certainly found through studying physics that that sense of awe and amazement as well has really has really helped me to persevere in in you know learning difficult things and so on as well so so yeah that that sense of knowing explainable and just having that curiosity i guess and um sense of sort of awe about the world and stuff is what's is what sustained me in my interest i think <laughs> last question what do you do dan to just relax away from the world of physics um oh I spend far too long working, <laughs> but um, yeah. And so my, one of my big things, I like photography, actually. That's probably the biggest thing that I do. So um, I like taking pictures. Um, I like taking pictures of people, actually, mainly rather than, rather than um, uh, you know, things like, you know, landscapes or so on, uh, which is slightly odd, really, given what I've just said about why I like physics. Maybe I should try and I don't know, do some astrophotography or something maybe I would enjoy that I don't know I've never done that but um yeah I like taking pictures of people for some reason um and I just find it really satisfying actually and like a creative sort of outlet so I kind of accumulated lots of photography equipment and and stuff and I sometimes take old-fashioned film photographs and develop them you know black and white in a dark room sometimes do that um, and obviously digital as well and I like taking photographs for people so like for weddings and things of that kind and um, I feel like it it makes me happy and I feel like when you take photos it makes them happy as well you know yeah. people like to have pictures so so yeah I, I like that I find I don't find it stressful I find it like a, a good creative maybe outlet actually so um i don't know how it fits with anything else that i do probably doesn't but it doesn't. <laughs> it's just a good way to wind down and a good yeah. way to end the show as well dan can i say thank you ever so much for joining us on today's episode of the independent teacher podcast it's been absolutely fascinating and you know thank you for giving up the time and talking to us thank you well, thank you i've i've really enjoyed it it's been it's been great to have this conversation thank you so much You've been listening to the Independent Teacher Podcast with me, your host, Susan Pallister. 
If you like listening to this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.